Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I'm Bridget Evans and you're listening to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Tatman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali and Plumwood, let's get radical about philosophy. Even the word tolerance is intolerable. No person has the right to tolerate another. Emile Torben's letter, 1839. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. And I'm speaking to Dr. Rivka Wickenbird about tolerance. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Now, what was it that inspired your interest in tolerance? Okay, to be honest with you, I wasn't much interested in the topic at all. My interest was really in moral development, thinking, reasoning. That's what I did my, most of my work. But around 2000, I was asked to write a chapter on socialization of tolerance for a book which was primarily on prejudice. You see, a lot of the work has been done around prejudice rather than tolerance. And I spent weeks looking for relevant psychological studies because I come really from psychology. And I realized that there was very little research in this area. Uh, and what really stood out for me was the assumption that the assumption in the prejudice literature is that absence of prejudice was by default tolerance. And I didn't find that sitting very well with me. I don't, you know, because I realized that uh, just because you don't express prejudice, you may not be tolerant. And it's also possible that you're tolerant in one area but not in another. I mean, we all know people who are incredibly accepting of, say, Indigenous Australian, but very, very, have very strong anti-Muslim feelings. So, you know, it's not that simply that just absence of prejudice is, is, is tolerance. And so that started me thinking about what is actually tolerance, how do we think about it, and how we conceptualize it. And so my, my research began there. <laughs> Right, so that that leads me into my next question, which is, what would your definition of tolerance be? Okay, tolerance in my mind is more than putting up with things, which is what is traditionally the tolerance regarded as. I place tolerance within the moral domain, along with many other philosophers, and we view it as a virtue and a duty. And that is related more to human rights than prejudice, more to moral values and, and human rights than prejudice. To be tolerant to me is to be ethical, moral, empathetic, compassionate, respectful, and to value human rights. So it's not just absence of prejudice. Actually, if I can go back a little bit, it is a very difficult question, and I've struggled with it. I need to explain, you know, I think I need to explain to you why. In psychology, I couldn't find what for me was a satisfactory definition. That's when I turned to philosophy, and unlike psychology, there's tons of stuff, in, of theoretical stuff in, in psychology, and particularly about definitions about tolerance. 
and not surprising, of course, not all philosophers agree with, with each of the, uh, with, each other, with each other, but they certainly deal with theoretical issues of tolerance. So in the end, the conclusion I came to is that tolerance is not, a new, is not neutral. It really is value-laden. It's an ethical and moral principle and the assumption that any form of abuse or any restriction of other people's civil and human rights is, not, uh, right, is unacceptable. Any, that any form of abuse or restriction of other people's civil or human rights, that any form of that is acceptable is, is for me a misunderstanding of the very nature of tolerance. You know, you, can't, you just can't accept everything, any abuse, any restriction. So to me, it matters whether people, so to me, it doesn't really matter what people, what people wear, what dresses they have, what headgear they have, what they eat. As long as, it, as, as long as the beliefs and practices that they use do not contradict moral bounds or human rights values. And that's really important to me. That for me, tolerance is about staying within the bounds of morality and within the bounds of moral rights. Moral rights for, you know, for people. If it's, if it's that, then you can accept it. I mean, wearing a headscarf or, you know, the, the Jewish kippah is not, I can't see any problem with it. It doesn't, it doesn't break any, you know, human rights values or any moral values. So in placing it within the moral domain, it becomes more about compassion, empathy and respect and all those sort of things. Now, how, we, how do we decide what is harmful is difficult. But I often use the John Stuart Mill, the philosopher, the philosopher, harm principle, and I can elaborate on that later when we get to the later point, if you want me to do that. Oh, all right. Now, there are certain philosophical theories and definitions about tolerance, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely are. I'm going to talk about the contemporary German philosopher, Rainer, first. I really like him. because He's a fairly modern uh, philosopher, probably in his 50s now. And the why I like him is he's very succinct in the way he presents complex and very ambiguous philosophical ideas. And tolerance is complex and difficult. He suggested that to understand tolerance, we need to see it in three ways. And I think it's the simplest way he, 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 I can explain it, and I use him for that. And he first, there are beliefs, he says, there are beliefs and practices of others which we object to, but we, we, we can endure or put up with as long as they really harm our body. And this goes back to what I was saying about, you know, wearing a hat scarf or eating halal meat or kosher meat or whatever it is that upset people. But it's a definition that I actually don't accept because I think it's, no one wants to be put up with, when I want to be, you know, we, all, it's a, we want to move away from that. So, um, and that's why it's also people think of tolerance as being bad because no one wants to really be endured or put up with, you know, because of their traditions or culture or things like that. So, the other, the second one is where belief and practices have to be rejected outright because they do, they are unacceptable and possibly harmful. And I use this example as marrying a young girl to a, to a man much older than her. It might be customary, a customary tradition in, in many cultures, but it negates a young girl's human rights to be a child, to be educated, not to have children too young. I mean, to have a life before she gets married. So, you know, they're the kind of practices I personally think we cannot tolerate, we cannot put up with. So there are practices we reject. But then there is also one that we are practices that we accept and legitimize. And there are things like, for instance, we all know that there are Jewish and Muslim wedding 
ceremonies, which are totally acceptable and within the legitimate law of, of the Australian society. Uh, they don't hurt anybody, they don't affect anybody, and they're not adverse in any way. So you can see it's not, you know, it's a fairly complex sort of idea, and I try to simplify it as much as I can. <laughs> so it ranges from forbearance to putting up with to full acceptance, except I think that with full acceptance we still can have some problems because, as I said before, there are, there are issues, whether they're cultural, norm, moral, um, norms within other societies which we cannot accept. And I heard recently a, a man who was a pedophile suggesting that it's normal to have sex with children. Now, that's the kind of things that I would say would be totally, totally unacceptable and therefore tolerant has to have some measure where we say, no, we can't accept that anymore. So to me, to accept, you know, to accept tolerance without thinking about it, reflecting, considering it, it's very, it can be quite dangerous. Yeah, there's yeah. a very strong link between tolerance and human rights, as you were saying yeah. about you know, young girls being married. I mean, I think that they should have a, have a choice. And I mean, you know, a lot of women choose never to get married anyway. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, the same thing about the the pedophile. I think that mm. people can actually twist things, can't they? And and yes. say, oh yes, it's you know, it's just a normal normal <laughs> thing for adults to have sex with children, and you're just not being tolerant. But no, that's yeah. not the case at all. No, you know, there's no, there's there's some some laws that aren't very good, and there's some laws that are very good, and that's that's one law that's actually quite good that you don't have sex with don't abuse children yeah certainly so so the yeah this i suppose that sometimes it'd be a fine line wouldn't there between being being tolerant and and fully accepting yeah yes and and saying no this is beyond the the, you know limits of of human rights and moral bounds too so they're very important issues but, you know, and this is why I place it in the moral domain, because if you place tolerance with the moral domain, and, then it, and it becomes about compassion and care and, and empathy. And, it's not, and, and so we can actually, because we know, what, we, we can say what is right and wrong within the moral domain. Mm. And we can say what is right and wrong within in human rights, uh, uh, contemporary human rights uh, values. So it doesn't complicate the issue about what we should accept or not accept. And this is where, you know, the harm principle comes in too. Yep, that's right. So uh, why is tolerance important? It's important. I think it's... Uh, um, why is it important? I mean, once I think if, if you live in a homogenous society, probably tolerance is not so important, but it's necessary when we have differences and we have diversity in, in societies. And as we both know, we can look at the world today and... To understand it is essential to promote tolerance because we become the world has become an incredibly diverse society and monocultural society almost don't exist. I use a good example of Sweden because I lived there for quite a few years and how its demographic has changed dramatically from the say 1960s or 70s. In the 60s and 70s, Sweden was almost a homogeneous society and it had a very small number of political refugees, say from Hungary and places like that and some immigrant laborers. Today, Sweden has about 9.5 million people, and out of that, two, over 2 million are from foreign backgrounds, or they have parents born, both parents who were born outside of Sweden. So you can see there's quite a, I mean, 
and so a huge percentage of people who are from foreign background, and it does create some tension in society, and it creates tension in other other European society. We can see the huge migration occurring occurring at the moment. So I think tolerance is very important within that thing within that framework. Sorry? How much do we really know about tolerance? I suppose some people. Know. I think we know. From my perspective, as an empirical piece of, you know, as research, I think it's fairly limited at the moment and it's still being developed. And I know that uh, I get a lot of inquiries since academics now because I think I'm one of the first people who really started doing some serious research about tolerance. And uh, people are looking at it more seriously now. When I first published my first couple of papers on tolerance, there wasn't a lot of the prejudiced people were very, very scathing almost about it. Uh, but now I find I get a lot of uh, inquiries about reading, you know, getting, uh, getting the papers and using it and citing it. And so I think there's, because the way the world has, has shaped, I think there's a lot more interest in understanding more about tolerance. And I'm talking now particularly from a psychological perspective because empirical research is very important to, uh, to, you know, to understand uh, how people think about it, how they conceptualize it, which is what I was interested in, it, and how, you know, beyond, above and beyond just wondering how many people are and how people are not tolerant. Uh, my, my interest was more in about how people think about it and how they conceptualize it and to, you know, develop a model for it. Because the central idea that emerged from my research is a developmental model of tolerance, which is based on fairness, or if you want to be more sophisticated as the kids grow older. And this was, I interviewed students and colleagues and I, uh, six to about 25-year-old, and then also a group of adults. And so fairness, empathy, and reason seem to be the underlying values that motivate people to, to talk about, uh, to, to defend tolerance. And I think they are important, and they are very different from prejudice. So, uh, because prejudice is based on, on, you know, negative qualities, these are all very positive qualities. And what I also found was that young children talk about fairness all the time. You know, six, seven, eight-year-olds, sort of what they talk about, this is not fair, this is not, you know, but whereas as people get older, they talk more about fairness, particularly females, and that's also the same in the moral, the moral literature. And they also talk about, and, and, and reason, and reason meaning logic, and men tend to favor that, older, you know. So from about 13, 14 onwards, you find that people move away from fairness into talking about either, either um, empathy or reason. And this is also overlaps with uh, morality. Yes, yeah. Well, it is quite interesting that you've brought that up about young children and, yeah. you know, they'll often complain, my parents wouldn't buy me an iPad for my birthday and that's mm. just not fair. And so it, it, it's, they're really speaking about the, the same thing, aren't they? But well, they're just using way, different words. You see, the notion of fairness seems to emerge as part of the development of children quite early in their development. And they, they do use it a bit loosely at times, but our research, I found, because the, uh, the student I studied was from six onwards, and in the, res- in the research we did, there was a very strong sense of treating others badly was not fair. Discriminating against others was not fair. So, and they go on to say, they, they explain the reason for it, because you shouldn't treat people badly and because it's not. I mean, it's their way of understanding the world 
because it's fair, you know, they, they're, they're quite limited in the way they, I don't say limited in the sense that they understand the moral perspective of the world. And fairness seems to emerge almost spontaneously from about five, six onwards, and they apply to things that they see is wrong in the world too, as well as things that go wrong for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So how is tolerance a moral virtue? I think of virtue as a quality of being morally good, you know, morally uh, positive. So if you place tolerance within the moral domain rather than simply viewing it as absence of prejudice, then it can be regarded as a virtue. It means that you are morally good, you do things from a positive perspective rather than... Um, than from a negative one. And I think to be tolerant in require, means a person is ethical, they're moral, they're compassionate, they may be empathetic, and, and also respectful of human values. So this is why, I mean, if virtue is about moral goodness, and I think that's, so, you know, it's, that's why I see it as a virtue. Uh, by the way, not I, many philosophers, by the way, also see it today, contemporary philosophers see it as a moral virtue. And so that's where also where my ideas come from. Uh, is there a connection between tolerance, empathy, and morality? As I said before, fairness, empathy, and reason are the ver- a very important psychological aspect of, of theories of morality. And what I find in my research and moral development, and what I find in my own research, is that students, as I said before, talked a lot about fairness, empathy, and reason. And and empathy also is very strongly related to pro-social behaviour. And so, and, and this is also supported by research finding. All of these things that I talk about are supported by research finding. And so I see tolerance also as empathetic and also about being pro-social. And what do I mean with being pro-social? I think being pro-socially is a behavior which is positive in nature. It's behavior which is when you're cooperative, helpful, intended to promote social acceptance and friendship and bond between people, then you're pro-social. When you're antisocial, well, you know what that's like. You kind of work against all these sort of principles. So I see it as, as being related to what we're talking about, tolerance very strongly. In fact, I think there's a strong connection between empathy, morality, and tolerance because they seem to overlap in the same area. And, you know, my research into moral development and my research into tolerance seems to describe... Similar, similar kind of descriptions. Could you explain about the golden rule and tolerance? Yeah. Now, the golden rule, I think, is an archetypal example of tolerance. Uh, and it's most familiar in Western world as, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself or do unto others as you would have them to you. One is from the Hebrew Bible. The other one is from the New Testament. And in fact, in my research and other people research, you find that the golden rule is uh, in every major religion, thousands of years old. And it actually is ultimately based on perspective taking, reciprocity, altruism, care, empathy, all those sort of things that are relevant to tolerance too. And if you, you can think of tolerance the way I see it, more about care, empathy, and respect. And so I think the, raw, the moral rule is, about obligation to treat other well, and so is tolerance. And so they're strongly related. And in fact, what I find, and, and the desire to live cooperatively and harmoniously goes back a th- thousands and thousands of years. It's not something in contemporary time in, in, in such ways. I think it is related to tolerance. 
In my own research, I found that students actually spontaneously use the golden rule to support tolerance in some, in some study at the quarter of the time. Here, in an example, for instance, a 12-year-old responding to a dilemma about a young Asian which was excluded from a, a nightclub, and what I used was socio-moral dilemmas that they had to resolve. He, he said his answer was, put yourself in his shoes or imagine how it would be like to be in his, in his shoes or her place. And that's the goal that epitomizes the golden rule, is to be able to step into someone else's shoes. And it requires a degree of imagination and a sense of perspective taking to know how other people feel. And I think that uh, it requires a sort of an understanding of the mental states of others. And I think that so many of my students rejected discrimination and, and talked about, you know, the golden rule, either directly or indirectly, uh, by saying things like, you know, imagine what it would be like to be in someone in his shoes or... I don't think this is right. And people like to use the word golden rule or, they, you know, or do unto others, do as you want them to do to you. So it, was, it seemed to be very strongly connected to the whole idea of living in harmony, living together, uh, understanding how it feels to be rejected and discriminated against. And so that's why I see them very strongly related. Yes, I did hear about a experiment that was done once and it was to get a, a classroom full of adults mm. and treat anybody who had uh, blue eyes very badly. Oh, the blue eyes, brown eyes. Yes, yes. The blue eyes, brown eyes one. Yes, yes, yes. I know that uh, experiment. Yes, that's about... Uh, her her, her uh, research was more about showing how discrimination can occur really easily. And she set up that, uh, that sort of uh, project, and uh, I don't remember exactly how the conclusion was to you. <laughs> no, no, but I, I think that that sort of thing, uh, when people have been through a lived experience, do you think that that assists people in being more tolerant? I think so. I think so, yes. Some, well, I imagine it could. If you've, had, if you've been discriminated against, you may, but actually... Something I needed to say, it's something I think is very interesting that you brought that up, because I was going to bring it up somewhere, but I can't remember where, and that was reciprocal, uh, in, uh, reciprocal tolerance. And that is something that A.C. Grayling talks a fair bit about it, too, in one of his books. He's a philosopher, A.C. Grayling. But I've also thought about it quite greatly, and often minorities that complain that they are discriminated against, and that, is, uh, that people are intolerant about them, can be very intolerant of other people. You know, so it has to be reciprocal. You cannot demand that, you know, you can't expect tolerance if you're not willing to give it. And whether you are necessarily tolerant because you've experienced, I don't know. Some probably would and some not. So it's a difficult question and needs still further research, I think. It definitely does. It's, um, yeah, quite an interesting area. Thanks very much for being on the program today. I've, I've been speaking to Dr. Rivka Wittenberg about tolerance. This is Emma Larking. I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the Australian National University and I love the program Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on the AM dial. And that's all we have time for today. Hope you've enjoyed the show and been given plenty of food for thought. 
Also, if you have missed any of the episodes, it's not a problem. All you need to do is to go to the 3CR website and on the right-hand side, there's a link for the Facebook page where all the previous episodes are. So you can access them at your leisure. Thanks very much for your company today. 